welcome to another episode of the Two Guys, One Topic podcast. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And for those that don't know, or if we've got any new listeners, each episode and each week, we just take a topic that we know next to nothing about, and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we do the hard work and then share what we feel is the most important pieces of information with you, our listeners. That is right. And so everybody knows we are not experts in anything that we talk about on the pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Yeah, exactly. So this week's topic, though, Ollie, this week's episode is actually your choice. So uh, we'll get into why you picked that in a minute. But let's get on with it. This week, we are learning all about acetaminophen. Ollie, acetaminophen. <laughs> that doesn't sound like what we're supposed to be doing. No, and it's not the title of the episode either, is it? <laughs> well, it, it is to our US, Japanese, and Canadian listeners. You're very right. Um, you You're know. very right. But for everybody else, what is it? Uh, paracetamol. Um, so you picked paracetamol as the topic. Why? What was your reason? <laughs> it was, it's quite funny, actually. That um, So I'm feeling pretty crocked this week. I've, I've not been unwell in a very long time. And this week I've actually been having to start taking some paracetamol. I've even got a little Lemsip on the go now. We're not feeling too great. And it just got me thinking a couple of weeks ago, lots of people around me yeah. being unwell. And I just thought, oh, I wonder what's the history of paracetamol why we take it, how it works, all of that type of thing. I thought that might be quite interesting. Um, but yeah, this this week I've been a first-hand, first-hand user of, uh, of paracetamol and making sure that I'm taking the correct amounts and dosages of it. Fair enough. Hey, how it works is proper interesting, isn't it? Oh, that is that is brilliant. You've got to stick around and listen for how it works. If you If you've listened to our Oscars episode and the reason why the Oscars are called the Oscars... This is as good as that. Yes. Okay. Little yep. spoiler. Also, at the end of this episode, we will announce what our listener choice is next week. So we have been running a poll, uh, a few polls on our Instagram at Two Guys One Topic. Um, we're down to the final two. I will refresh uh, one more time at the very end of this episode, and we'll announce what next week's episode is, as voted for by you lot. So exciting! Yeah. Thanks everybody for getting involved in that. That's always good, and thanks for all the brilliant suggestions that that people sent into us. Um, in our wrap-up series, or maybe next week, we'll give out some honourable mentions of the ones that didn't actually make it. But yeah, thanks. Yeah, like nuclear fusion. <laughs> that ain't happening. <laughs> so this week then, paracetamol or yeah. acetaminophen, as the as yeah. as we've already said, is known somewhere else. So what is it? What is paracetamol? And just in case anybody's unsure, so we're talking about the thing is the most popular painkiller for almost you know every household in the world you know it's easily sort of like the first choice drug that's used to treat all sorts of humanly bodily aches and pains that you might have and it it comes in all different forms doesn't it yeah which you know tablets capsules liquid form those dissolvable ones when you were lit i don't know if you ever had like was it disprin or something i used to have it like, dissolve into like a what lemonade sip? or something yeah lemonade Apparently, it can be injected. I think that's probably just by a hospital. Cowpole, you know, the, the kids' one. Don't you normally take the suppository version? 
Yep. Straight up there. That's how I like to take mine. Yeah, they do exist. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's loads of ways of taking it. One of the main reasons it's it's such a big deal as far as it is, because it, it's super safe, isn't it? Yeah. For the most part, it is super safe. The um the side effects are very, very rare. Uh, they're more to do with an allergic reaction than anything. And everybody can take it, like pregnant women can take it, breastfeeding women, children. You, you've only got to be two months old before you can take it. It's like it, everyone, as long as you're within the right dosage, like you were saying, it's really safe and just about everybody can take it. Definitely. And used for, you know, all sorts of things. We mentioned a couple there, you know, the, the go-to one is probably headaches for people, you know, even like migraines, a bit, little bit of muscle pain, toothache, like some arthritis stuff, fevers. If people are a bit, feeling a bit sick or under the weather, um, it is really good. <laughs> I can vouch for that this week. This week should be sponsored yeah. by Lemsip as far as I'm concerned, because um, it's, it's worked miracles for me this week. So, you know, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely something that that works and is used massively around the world. Yeah, just as like you were saying, minimal downsides, but as long as you're just using it as you should be using it. Yeah, we'll talk about you know what, what if you don't perhaps a bit later. Officially, you know they're called uh, anal analgesics. Oh yes, we learned that in our anesthesia episode, didn't we? Yeah, it's it's a word for a drug that stops pain and an analgesic. So. Yeah, nice little, uh, that's that's Oscars and anesthesia that we've now advertised. <laughs> name dropped. So, so what's in the name then? What on earth is this? How has it got two names? Um, that's one of the first to... things that I was interested to learn about. Like, why why have we got this super popular drug that like all of the world uses, but have we ended up with two different names from it? Not only that, not... Not only that, what about Tylenol? Is that the same thing? Oh, yeah. Is Calpol the same thing? <laughs> you know, are these the same things as as paracetamol? Like, or are they different? Panadol? You know, that's what... But yeah, yeah, exactly. We said that before we did the episode. Yeah. I know those names, but I also know paracetamol. Uh, turns out it's not even called paracetamol somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> what's that all about? Well, if we let's just have a little look then at like why why are the two main names for it are paracetamol and acetaminophen? If you're in so as we said before, paracetamol pretty much all over the world, apart from acetaminophen if you're in the US, Canada, or Japan. And it's because of its chemical compound. And this is quite a cool word. Let's see if I can say this correctly to begin with. So the chemical for it is actually known as paracetaminophenol. Is that right? Yeah, I've got it as paracetaminophenol. Yeah, I've written it down like proper phonetic as well. (laughs) And so what happened was that the UK, they decided to follow the international naming that WHO, the World Health Organization, set up. And so they've gone down the track of taking the 11 letters that who chose to then come up with the word paracetamol. However, in the US, Canada, and Japan, they decided to choose the 13 different letters, like the other parts of the word (laughs) that created a whole new word, which was the acetaminophen. Yeah. Which is, which is in within the word paracetaminophenol. Yeah. (laughs) So, So basically you've got this super long word, which is the the original 
scientific drug name for it. And then yeah. you take off different chunks of that word and you end up with having yeah. the two ones that we're talking about. So what about Panadol, Tylenol, yeah. Calpol, Dispol, I don't know. I think Exadrin is one as well. There's loads. So what, what are they then? Are they paracetamol? They are. They are. But they're, they're all just brand names, aren't they? So they're all just yeah. companies out there that are then creating their own version of, of using paracetamol, mm-hmm. but they're maybe doing something slightly different. So maybe putting it in a sugar-coated capsule before you have it. Yeah. And then you might like yeah. that sugar-coated capsule. Or for me now, if I'm saying that I'm drinking a Lemsip, Lemsips, you know, I, I prefer having that than having a, a capsule because you've got the, the hot yeah, drink but, so, that goes with it. UK, for example, I could walk into Audi and I could buy, you know, whatever it is, 19p paracetamol, couldn't I? I could buy a packet yes. for whatever it is, 19p, 29p. Or I could go and buy the much more expensive version, you know, the, the branded one, Nurofen or whatever it might, whatever, I don't know. And, uh, you know, that cost me £3 or £4, but there's no, like ingredients wise there is absolutely no different the, the the thing you're putting in your mouth is still 500 milligrams of paracetamol and that's it yeah that's it they are exactly the same aren't they i know wikipedia is not the font of oh, everything's true and honest but I, I just searched like other brand names around the world wikipedia's got a list it's got like 120 different countries oh has it and okay what the thing is called in that country any good names so, i mean I, yeah go on then uh, let me give you a quick one then. Um, Turkey, it's called Minoset. Um, Australia, Heron. Uh, Bangladesh, Hedex. Bulgaria, Fervex. You know, there's just they're, they're all they're all brand names of the same thing. You know, but all you want is paracetamol, surely. Paracetamol. <laughs> one of one of the things that um, I was also then wondering about with it is where it came from. So, you know, is it if is it something where you've like ground up an old plant, like so many things that we've done on the podcast from thousands of years ago? And it turns out that somebody accidentally licked a mushroom and it turned out that that was the best thing that they ever did. And it solved all of their ailments type thing. I was thinking, so is, is that where paracetamol came from as well? Has somebody been, you know, eating leaves off a tree, they ground them up and then it then turned into this powder and then you then take in it and relieve your aches and pains. But that isn't really the case, is it? No, it was a bit of an accident, wasn't it? Again. <laughs> <laughs> and it is turns it, out it's, it's, it's completely man-made, isn't it? It's a completely man-made yeah, if you, drug. Just talking about that quick, though. If you do go all the way back in time, aspirin did come from that. Aspirin came from, like, didn't it come from the leaves or the bark of a willow tree or something? That's right. Aspirin is not paracetamol, and uh, that did come from from something like that but paracetamol which is what we're doing today let's just um let's go back so end of the 1800s 1893 there was a professor in strasbourg called adolf kusmal and he had some assistants who were trying to treat a patient who had worms and he suggested to give them something called nap uh <laughs> Yeah. How do you say that word? Yeah, naphthalene. That's what I reckon. <laughs> naphthalene. <laughs> it's got an extra TH in the middle, hasn't it? But he he suggested it because that could be a quite a good way of like a gut disinfectant, a way of clearing out all of the gut. If this person's got worms, 
give them this yeah. medicine that should clear it and um let's see how they how they get on um it didn't work so the patient still had the the worms and they, they weren't cured from that but what they did notice and it was a, a surprise for them is that the patient's temperature dropped quite a bit by taking the the drug that they'd given them and that was really yeah. unusual and they'd never seen it happen before but the problem was <laughs> so then they decided to well let's go check this drug out that we've given you and it turns out there's a bit of a mix-up and they hadn't actually given them that drug at all had they no so, although they were supposed to be giving them this naphthalene they accidentally gave them something called acetanilide yeah which is a different drug now it did like you said it, it did work but it had a bit of a strange side effect with the blood didn't it yeah so it it affects some of your blood and some of your, your blood cells and it gives off the the person have a complexion to being quite blue so it's it's yeah. damaging your blood inside so you end up with this blue tint to yourself um, it damages the hemoglobin which i think is the thing that makes your blood red don't know about that one any scientists let me know but i think that's what happens and then it made them go a bit blue so anyway, so they had to sack this drug off, didn't they? But they sort of had an idea because at this point it was bringing down temperature. So they were basically, they were chemists. So they were sort of messing around with it to try and come up with something else. So that was, yeah. So that that was that acetanilide. So acetanilide turning people slightly blue, but it was actually given the results that they wanted, but they thought this isn't quite safe. So the scientists, they kept on tinkering around with it. They were seeing, well, how could we then improve this and try and work with it? And they then came up and they synthesized something in 1913 called phenacetin. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, I, and from what, what I can tell is same similar sort of thing happened. It did work, but there were still side effects. It still was not ideal. And they sacked it off again, didn't they? Yeah. Well, yeah, they did. They thought, well, we can't have this if people are still being unwell or it's having bad side effects, or it was mainly around, you know, making people really nauseous, which wasn't, you know, isn't ideal ever when you're trying to just reduce a fever or whatever it might be. Played around with it again, and they then ended up coming up with paracetamol. But unfortunately, another little bit, little bit of a blunder here, when they started trying to test paracetamol on people, they'd actually given them the previous dose that they created of phenacentin yeah. so they, they were actually giving them the stuff that was dangerous when they thought they were giving them the paracetamol which they thought would work so they're like ah oh, we've created paracetamol and this isn't working either yeah they need to get better pharmacists don't they so it got sacked off and then it wasn't it wasn't until like the nearly the 1950s when some american scientists went back to like always went back to it and went right let's just test this thing out that everybody got and they realized actually if we test the actual paracetamol this does actually work. Yeah. People were so, looking at it and thinking they had their chemistry right. Like, why why wasn't that working? It, it should have worked. You don't really understand. And it's yeah, it's something where they, they said that they, they realized that paracetamol was actually the main me metabolite of phenacetin. So that's um, a process in chemistry where when you then you do something with it, it's the, the bit that makes it work. And it was actually much safer by using paracetamol than this phenacentin. So they thought, right, let's let's crack on with using that. And here we are. So 1950s, first paracetamol product came out in the US. 
they mixed it though. They mixed it with aspirin and caffeine and they called it triagesic. So triagesic came out. Unfortunately, that had a few, a few links to some blood problems. So they then binned it and it was taken off the shelves. They realized that paracetamol again was the thing that was pure paracetamol. Don't mix it with anything else was the right thing to, to have in place. So it's been on the shelves and stayed there since 1955 in the US and 1956 in the UK. So it's a bunch of blunders, basically. He had an idea to give them something and they accidentally gave him something else. They then realised paracetamol worked with this something else and tried to just confirm it, but accidentally tested the wrong thing. So then they sacked it off again. Then when they eventually did release paracetamol, they released it as a mixture with other things and it didn't work. So they then realised they had to bring it out. It's like... They had it, like you said, they had it for like, whatever, 60 years or something before it actually kicked off. Yeah. So we don't want to get too bogged down in that because otherwise we're going to keep arguing about what should have been tested. There was one thing that there was still left as a, as a side effect where they knew that it, had, it produced something called NAPQI. And we'll talk yeah. about NAPQI a little bit later, but they were still thinking that paracetamol is the way forward and the thing that people should should be having. So this is super important now, all right? If you've got socks on, you hold on to them, okay? Because we're going to blow them off. Here we go, all right? We learn a, a little sport. See if you can work out what we're going to say. We're going to talk about how it works, right? When we learn about the Oscars, we were searching up, why is it called the Oscars? The Oscars website does not know how the, why the Oscars is called the Oscars, do they? they nobody knows why it's called the Oscars. There's yeah. no real knowledge. Now, you can probably guess where we're going here. Ollie, after your weeks of research, and then bear in mind, we've got a week. These scientists have had like 70 years or more than that, 100 years. <laughs> How does paracetamol work? No one really knows. <laughs> <laughs> Not Nobody really knows. sure. Not really sure yeah. how or why nope. it works. Nope. Right. So... Uh, you know, we're from the UK, right? We have the NHS in the UK, the National Health Service, right? They are basically in charge of all the doctors and they're all of the science, like they're in charge of everything. Go on the NHS website, learn about paracetamol. It's all on there because obviously they prescribe it, so they've got to tell you about it. How does paracetamol work, Mr. NHS? NHS says the following. Paracetamol seems to work by blocking the chemical messages in the brain that tell you that you have pain. They don't even know. <laughs> And you think, yeah, like, like you say, you should be able to trust either yeah, the, the NHS or your pharmacy or your doctors who's given it to you. And I thought this was interesting that you know, they should know everything, shouldn't they? And if you read the label within, the, within your paracetamol that you get, it says, although the analgesic effect of paracetamol is well established. So although the pain relief effect of yeah. paracetamol is well established, the site and mode of action may not have been clearly elucidated. Basically, it means we haven't got a clue. So we know it works. Yeah. We know it's a pain reliever, but can you tell us how it works? Because we don't know how it yeah, works. Yeah, they think a bit more of a posh terminology, but basically they, they think it blocks pain signals to your brain. So it doesn't, it doesn't actually stop the pain. It stops you thinking that you're feeling the pain. So That's, if you've got a pain in your hand then, if you take a paracetamol capsule, does it then travel to your hand? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Does it send like 
little paracetamol army soldiers down to your cut and it starts putting your cut back together. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It goes up to your brain and it stops your brain feeling the pain. Um, they're called the, the posh word is that they're called a nociceptive pathways. These are the pathways that, that, that take the pain into your brain and they basically block those. So you, so you don't feel the pain. Um, but you, you were reading something about, you mean something about cannabis or something? Yes. Yeah. So there, there are a few theories. So as you're saying, we don't know the one reason why it works. Definitely up there, what you're saying in terms about blocking the, the pain and it going to your brain or your central nervous system and then doing the blocking from your central nervous system. There's another part of your body called the endocannabinoid system that I was reading about. <laughs> and that has a role as well to do with the sensation of pain in the body. So there are different types of pain that you get as well, but that has a role, your endocannabinoid system. Um, and cannabinoid, that might be familiar from cannabis. Um, and the main proponent in cannabis is THC, which also works for relieving pain. So that's why some people who take cannabis also think that there's some pain relief because that affects the endocannabinoid system. And then the third... Okay one that I read is that paracetamol affects the, the serotonin level within your body. So serotonin we know is, is the positive feeling. They think that it yeah. might have an impact on, on serotonin and apparently serotonin is way more complicated than we really give it credit for. So it might even actually be a role of all three of these things coming together, but the, the difficult thing that scientists have with pain is pain is different for everybody. So yeah. just because you've got a headache doesn't mean my headache will feel the same as yours or yeah. it's, it's yeah. that one size fits all type thing, which mm -hmm. they, they can't really pin it down on why one thing uh, is the, the case and why paracetamol works. But yeah, who knows why? So nobody knows why basically. So there you go. We've all learned something important this week that nobody knows why paracetamol works. <laughs> and that's not just um, us. <laughs> that's not just us. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. Right. Hey, we, we've learned as much in a week as scientists have learned in 100 years. So <laughs> we're as good as them, aren't we? Do you know, I read they, they thought they got pretty close. So they twice, they think they've nearly cracked it. And they've, so it was in the 1970s. And again, in the early 2000s, they got super close. So I thought we've done it. This is right. We figured it out. We know what it is. Well done, lads. And then it turned out, actually, no. Somebody was able to to counter it and say, no, that's not quite right, is it? So yeah, they're they're oh. trying to figure it out. They say if they do figure it out, there's good reasons. Then they can pinpoint relieving pain yeah. even more yeah, effectively. Yeah. So there's obvious reasons yeah. why they want to, and not just accept that they don't know why. Okay, so I think we should probably mention like the the bad side, I guess, because there is. A, one of the problems with it is because it's so readily available, there's a bit of an issue with regards like overdosing, partly on purpose and partly accidentally. Yeah. And um, people accidentally taking too much. So you were talking earlier about these, these nap QIs, nap Q, nap keys, whatever they're called. That the, the posh name is N acetyl P benzoquinone imine. So what happens is your liver breaks down the paracetamol. And as Liam, it does you just, so, it, and you just you just sort of skipped over that. Can you just tell us again what it is? Yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> as your liver breaks down paracetamol, it releases a toxic compound. 
That compound is known as a NAPQI, N-A-P-Q-I. Or if you really want to know, it's called an n acetylpenzoquinonimine. <laughs> now, your liver can break down this toxic. Your liver has something else in it called glutathione, but it only has so much of this. So if, if you had take too many paracetamol, your liver will produce too much of this toxic, uh, this toxic compound, and your liver cannot break it all down. So that's when you get very ill and liver failure happens. If you, if you take the right dose throughout the day, obviously your liver has a chance to break it down, and then you take a bit more like six hours later. But you're, you're, so you're only supposed to take, as an adult, two 500 milligram tablets every four to six hours. Yep. Aren't you? Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. So I looked into what officially classes as an overdose because the National Poisons Information Service in the UK, the NPIS, they do tell you what is too much and what will create serious toxicity. Yeah. So apparently a, a, a paracetamol tablet is 500 milligrams. If you consume more than 150 milligrams of paracetamol for every kilogram that you weigh within a day, you're going to get very, very ill. Yes. Now, just, I was like, well, what on earth does that mean? I weigh about 80 kilos or something like that. So 150 milligrams for every kilogram. How many tablets is that? So for me, that'd be about 24 tablets in a day. And I'm going to get really, very ill. And when you're saying and, and really, very ill, we're talking about liver damage or liver failure or even death. But it's, it's the, yeah. just the, those toxic chemicals that your body will, will produce by trying to use and absorb it. The byproducts yeah. that, that come off these NAPQIs, they're yeah, really, really unsafe. And um, So obviously one of the issues is, um, and they, they sort of stop this, you can't buy so many from the, from the shop anymore, is, is that people obviously buy a lot and then they overdose. But one of the other ones is that people accidentally overdose. So... I was just saying, you know, you wake up with a migraine, for example, maybe you take two tablets as soon as you wake up, you take another two with a cup of tea mid-morning, you have another two with your lunch, have a couple in the afternoon, a couple with your tea at, in the, and then a couple in the evening. You might have done 12 or 14 tablets. Or the other thing is that I was reading, people don't always realise that paracetamol is in other things. So sometimes okay. people don't even realise that Lemsip is paracetamol that's a dose yeah so it might be like yeah. all right i'll i'll have a couple of paracetamol tablets and i'll have yeah. a lemsip and it's like well hang on whoa you've like you've, you've doubled your dose at least there by doing so that. so a 50 or 60 kilogram person so you know there's probably a lot of people that weigh that that's 15 or 18 pills in a day now you could quite easily take 12 probably before you've even realized you've taken 12 so I think it's just something you want to be aware of, really, because I think that is an issue. With this us. is a bit bit of a sad stat for you. In 2021, in England and Wales, there were 227 deaths that were related to paracetamol poisoning. So we're saying it is super safe. It is one of the safest pain relievers out there. So we don't want to be putting people off from taking it, or you know, we're not we're definitely not saying to people not to take it. What we're doing is just saying. Just take it as your doctor's telling you to do so or as the label is saying, because there's way more positive effects than negative effects when you take it correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Something that I was reading 
which then took me back to our our hangover episode, which is related to this again, and just accidentally maybe taking paracetamol when you shouldn't do, is about not taking paracetamol when you've had too much to drink. Because we were we were talking at the time about how your body is trying to break down the alcohol and the chemicals, the acetaldehyde that um, yeah. that's produced in your liver when you've then drank. So you don't want to then take paracetamol as well because it will overuse your liver. And the other thing that you were talking about, that glutathione that helps break it down, that that lessens as you drink more as well. So yeah, it's like a double whammy. So if if yeah, people are thinking, oh, I normally double have a double paracetamol before bed after a big night out, it's probably not the best thing to be doing because it's really doing some damage to your liver. Yeah. You can drink alcohol taking paracetamol. Yeah. Um, I was just looked at, you know, we both did. I know like some myths. Like you can also eat and drink with it. That's not a problem. Doesn't no, there's no issue with eating, drinking. Um, obviously you don't want to, like you say, you don't want to be really, really drinking. Um, do you find anything else out? Yeah, just some of the myths about people thinking that it stays in your body for 24 hours. It actually the efficacy or the effectiveness of it starts within about 30 minutes, and it and it lasts for about six hours while it's in your body. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, you can take it with ibuprofen. Just on that note, actually, uh, something I just—is it the same as ibuprofen? I googled. You know, are they the same thing? Oh yeah. Uh, ibuprofen is actually broken down by the kidneys, not the liver, and it reduces inflammation, whereas paracetamol doesn't really do that. So if you've hurt a muscle, you want to be taking ibuprofen probably more so than than if you've got a headache uh, than than paracetamol. Um, but they're, they're they're both pain relief at similar of aspirin, but they are anti-inflammatory, whereas paracetamol is not. Yeah, it said that what ibuprofen is a is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, and NSAID is that how you would say NSAID, it? Yeah, 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 NSAID. Think, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, that that's one of the the things that differentiate it. But yeah, very very similar, aren't they? They think it doesn't just work on your brain. That's the difference, isn't it? They don't think it just works on your brain receptors. Whereas I know paracetamol is yeah. pretty much working on your brain. Ibuprofen yeah. will actually go and tackle the area of your body that's that's hurting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, how come there's no Tylenol in the jungle for if you get a headache? Well, I don't know what you mean. Why is it if you're in the jungle and you've got a headache, you wouldn't be able to find any Tylenol anywhere, would you? Why not? <laughs> I don't know. Why can't you find any Tylenol in the jungle? Is the paracetamol? Oh dear! <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, good joke there, Liam. Nice. I think that the last thing from me is that I just had a little look into about who owns it. Is there one person that's got a pattern on yeah. paracetamol around the world? Like they make a lot of them. Well, yeah, there's so many that are made, but it turns out that there isn't. So. In the 60s and 70s to 80s, that the popularity increased so, so much. And it's now considered to be a household name and any patents have expired. And so that's why you've got so many of the generic versions of paracetamol available today 
But as you said way early on, whether you're using a brand name or you're using the the, the non-brand, they're all using the same chemical, the same formula, and it's it's the same, yeah. you know, pretty much the same comp. Well, it is the same compound that's used, same ingredients. And I was reading it's China and India that are the massive producers um, of them, and that's where pretty much all of the world's production comes from, from China and India. So that leads me perfectly into my takeaway, Ollie, because I can't not do this episode and not talk about some stupid distance or weight fact. Yeah, or, we're back uh, to one of these, are we? Yeah. So we've said, now it's very difficult to find data on just how many are produced. So you had a little look around. I managed to find a company claiming to make 30% of the world's paracetamol, and they reckon they make 60,000 tons of it a year. So with a bit of a jiggery pokery, I can work out there's approximately 200,000 tons of paracetamol made every year. Okay. Right? Now, we know that a paracetamol tablet, now we'll assume that that all gets turned into a tablet, but it probably doesn't, but let's assume it does. A tablet is 500 milligrams, which is half a gram. So that's approximately 400 trillion tablets gets made every year. Okay. Yep. Right. A tablet is 12 millimeters in size, approximately. <laughs> I measured one. They're not going to be much different. Okay. So do a bit of riggery pokery. You have enough tablets. If you lined all the tablets up that are made every year. Oh, right? here we go. Here we now, go. Now, bearing in mind, they're tiny. They're like the width of your finger, probably less than that. Line them all up. Yeah. Little finger, line every single one up. All 400 trillion of them. You could go to the moon. <laughs> you could come back again. <laughs> You could go round the earth. While you're going round the earth, you could go up Everest, back down Everest, down the Mariana Trench, back up the Mariana Trench. <laughs> right? And you could do that six times. <laughs> you go to the moon and back and round the earth six times, just a paracetamol. <laughs> what a funny fact. And you spend your time. That's a lot of paracetamol, isn't it? Mate, that was one of my that was that was one of the intros to one of my lessons this week. I just set the kids off. I went, if I've got four hundred trillion paracetamols and they're twelve million, twelve millimeters each, yeah, how far can I go? <laughs> nice. They did it for me. Have you got one? I'll let you know. So my two guys, one topic takeaway is I don't know if you if you ever wondered, and a lot of people do, is if you're making a lemsip, so you're making you're you're using the powdered form. A paracetamol can you put boiling water into it and does it kill the paracetamol what aren't you supposed to put boiling water in i haven't no. i don't think i've ever had a lemon tip so if you put boiling water in does that then mean that it doesn't work as well okay so does it a lot of people they'll put cold water in first and then top it up with boiling water this is the official from the from the lemsip website so they say Drum roll, the efficacy, so the effectiveness, oh, is not altered by adding boiling water to the sachet's contents. So people can nice. rest easy now knowing that the boiling water won't destroy any of the drug contents in your lemsip. But Whoa, the reason why the, the reason why they say use warm water, not boiling water, is so you don't scold or hurt yourself. Got to look out for everybody nowadays. That's yeah, the reason okay. why. So yeah, that's my little takeaway for you. Right. Well, that's a pretty cool episode, I think. 
we've summed that up nicely. We haven't gone down too many rabbit holes, nice and clean. Basically, they invented it by accidentally giving something else to somebody else and realizing it worked. And nobody knows how it works. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my takeaway. That's Honestly, I'm going to forget everything else apart from you can get to the moon and back six times with paracetamol and that nobody knows how it works. <laughs> I'm pretty good. I hope you like that, Ollie's Choice, this series. Uh, I hope the listeners liked it too. That leads us on nicely. So we're just in the process of a live refresh and closing closing oh. the vote now on Instagram. Let everybody know, Liam, what is the situation and what will be the listener choice for this series? Right. I will refresh Instagram one more time. Uh, if you don't know, the choice this this uh, series has come down to sinkholes and the stock market. Okay, sinkholes and the stock market was our choice, was the vote options. And I can confirm 48% to 52%. The winner, next week's episode, joining the likes of Worcestershire Sauce and Death Row and Anesthesia will be the stock market. Nice. Looking forward to it. Certainly doesn't seem like it's going to be simple. Seems like a good one. We can get stuck into that. That sounds good. Nice. Yeah, I reckon there's got to be some someone in the economics department. I was going to ask them for a GCSE stock market book or something. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed it. We certainly have this week. That's been good. If you have any questions or want to get in contact with us, please do. As always, on our socials at Two Guys One Topic. We'll be back with you with the listener choice next week. But until then, get out there and share some paraacetaminophenol knowledge. <laughs>